Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Every so often, we all need a little encouragement, some words to capture our mind, engage our heart, and enliven our spirit. And that's my intention with this podcast. It's an opportunity for you to take a few minutes out of your busy day and listen to what I hope is thought-provoking and empowering content. Each week, my guests and I share stories, challenges, and vulnerabilities, as well as tips and insights on a whole range of topics all with the aim of helping us to live in a more soulful, authentic and integrated way. So thank you for tuning in. Let's jump into this week's episode. Hello and Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you had a pleasant and peaceful Christmas and had a chance to spend some time with loved ones or maybe even just some good quality downtime yourself. If you listen to my podcast, the episode before Christmas, I said that Christmas can be such a stressful time of year, that everything is amplified at Christmas, and it's easy to get caught up in the madness, the overwhelm, the stress. So I hope you were able to avoid most of that. There can be a lot of the shoulds and the I'm supposed to or we're supposed to type thinking around Christmas. And the same, of course, is true for New Year as well. So let me emphasize up front that this is not going to be one of those podcasts or pieces of media, you know, that's all about hard hitting goal setting and, um, you know, smashing the year ahead and all of that sort of type of thinking, because I don't buy into it, you know, and I don't buy into the marketing and advertising frenzy that gets us to buy or let's face it, usually buy stuff so that we can be the new you in the new year. And, you know, I've been there, I've done that. Um, And as most of us know, any resolution set at the beginning of January rarely lasts a few days. You know, for me, resolutions depend on discipline and ironclad motivation, um, whereas I prefer inspiration to propel me forward. And that means creating the space for inspiration to strike, uh, readying ourselves to receive impulses and ideas and divine sparks of wisdom so that our doing is a natural byproduct of the quality of our being. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you some practices, I think there's seven in total, that I've developed for approaching the new year and how we can engage with ourselves and with the world more authentically. We will look at commitments, you know, that we make to ourselves, mindsets we can adjust, limiting beliefs we can drop that would help us simply feel freer uh, and more true to ourselves. Let me start, though, by making a bit of a confession. You know, I really struggled with my mental health around this time last year. Uh, You might recall at that time I was in the midst of my practical sabbatical where I took some time out. The podcast was on hold. Most of the uh, aspects of my business were on hold. Uh, I'd been sick for a few days over Christmas in 21. Uh, I picked up a stomach bug and that lasted a few days. And that was the, the second Christmas without my dad as well. So, you know, still dealing with grief and bereavement around that. Uh, but I remember certainly around New Year's Day in particular, and then even in the subsequent days, you know, when people were going back to work and all of that stuff was getting back to normal, um, I, I, I'd get up to start my day and I just feel so tired that all I could do was go back to bed. And that was so unlike me, you know, and I was sleeping through until lunchtime. It was the complete opposite of starting the new year with a bang or starting as you mean to go on, all motivated and invigorated. Somehow, though, in the midst of this bout of depression, I found the phrase or the question, uh, what could I do now to feel better? 
Um, that's all I could reach for. And I remember it just kept coming up to me, just sleep, go back to bed, that I needed to rest. And as I say, that was in stark contrast to how I'd been most of my life. I'd always loved New Year, that sense of writing out my goals and setting my intention and, and full of possibility and creativity. Um, but we all do our best. So I kept moving forward. I was patient with myself. And whilst I don't recall too many times throughout 2022 that I was bouncing around the place with the glassy-eyed zeal of a goal-focused, tunnel-vision, proactive robot, um, I went with the flow. And looking back, probably had one of the most productive years that I've had in a while. There was the new book, Words to Inspire, that was out. Uh, the website was uh, refreshed after a few years. Um, I went back to college to do the MA in creative writing. And of course, work was taking over, restarted the podcast. Uh, but I have to say, all of that was a happy byproduct of what for me was a more balanced approach to work. Uh, one that is based on the belief that I don't have to be productive to be worthy. Now, I'm still working on that one because there's been decades of, uh, um, how would I say it, ingrained beliefs and society supports it that we're only worthy when we're productive. So I'm still working on it. Um, but I can see the, the real benefit from dropping that belief. And later in this episode, there'll be a few other beliefs similar to that that I would suggest we would be uh, better off if we if we put down but even if we think about that one around worthiness, uh, you know, wouldn't it be great going into 2023 if we could all divorce our worthiness from our productivity, if we could divorce our worthiness from our bank balance, um, you know, if we can remember that our worthiness is not dependent on, on other people recognising the value we add uh, or other people's inability to see our worth. As I always say, no one will value us more than we value ourselves. And that's not about being cocky or arrogant. It's just about being maybe more truthful or more balanced. Now, I know many of you listening in will have attended in the past my annual sort of start the year, as you mean, to go on event SOAR that I ran for 12 years, um, I think <laughs> at least 12 anyway, up to 2020. Um, and uh, truth be known that for the last few years I organised that evening and um, I didn't particularly enjoy it myself. It always felt a little bit like a chore, you know, something that I should do because I've always done it. And yes, people got benefit from it, but I didn't particularly enjoy it myself. And, and COVID in that regard was a was an opportune time for me to to stop it. Um, and needless to say, it's not happening this month. And I sort of say it'll come back in some shape or form. I'm not quite sure how, but I'll, I'll get the vibe for it at some point. Um, but part of the reason why, why maybe that lost its appeal to me was that the traditional approach to New Year resolutions and goal setting really just doesn't work for me anymore. And I think a lot of people are finding uh, that out for themselves as well that strive until you arrive mentality is simply too exhausting. You know, for me, it's it's really about savouring the process of creating as we endeavour to shine our light more brightly in the year ahead. So if I speak about maybe traditional goal setting for a bit, for me, that's all about determining what you want and you take consistent action until you achieve it. Uh, that action usually falls into three categories. I want to be thinner, richer and have a better relationship. Now, I agree with the underlying sentiment in these endeavours, uh, but maybe thinner we can view as healthier uh, or richer as more abundant. And of course, the quality of our relationships is really a subset of the quality of our lives. 
Perhaps this traditional approach and writing out our SMART goals is useful if we're a novice when it comes to personal development work or if we're trying to bring a sense of proactivity into our lives. It can also be effective if we're breaking down a big goal into smaller chunks and establishing new empowering habits. It's also useful when the achievement of our goal is totally within our control. But very few things are totally within our control because none of us are an island. In the West, particularly in the American model, this acquisition approach has been dominant. Society on the whole admires and rewards those who apply the science of achievement, even if they have to tread on a few people's toes to get what they want. At an extreme, it's an approach that could be summarised by Malcolm Forbes, who said, he who has the most toys wins. You know, and nowadays when you hear that, my goodness, does it sound crass? But I think there's probably a lot of people who are featured in the media who, who probably still adhere to that. And of course, these high achievers focused on their desired results have contributed greatly to society. Uh, but there can be a shadow side to this approach as well. As I say, many of these high achievers who dominate the media, well, they actually repel me. And I, and I do wonder, you know, despite their billions, how happy they are and what the quality of their life is like. And if some people are labelled successful or winners in life, then does it presuppose that there are others who are unsuccessful, the also-rans, the losers? This is a notion that doesn't sit well with me. If someone is not achieving a certain level of success, and that's usually defined in Western terms in financial stakes, well, they're often deemed weak, unmotivated, lazy or a failure. And for me, people are always doing the best they can with the knowledge, awareness and resources at their disposal. So what's an alternative approach, I hear you asking? Well, in recent years, manifesting and harnessing the law of attraction has become my preferred approach to goal setting, or as I prefer to call it now, setting my intention. It sits more neatly with my spiritual awareness and worldview. Yeah, plus, it's far easier and less stressful. There's less effort involved. Yeah, we've all heard of the law of attraction and you know the secret, the, the marketing phenomenon, where the central belief is like attracts like, and thoughts are energy, and we don't attract what we want. We attract who we are and the energy we vibrate. This philosophy is more Eastern and is concerned with being and not doing. And for me, this is, a, this is an approach that maybe allows us to co-create with the with the power that creates worlds. You know, think of the farmer planting the seed. Does the farmer do the growing? No, life or the universe, God, divine energy, whatever you call it, it does the growing. The farmer decides what seeds to grow, ensures they're watered and nurtured and co-creates with life. Most people get confused, and I used to, in that they attempt to use the law of attraction as a tool for acquisition. They see it as a strategy for getting stuff. Whereas the law of attraction is really a way of being, engaging with the world from a place of trust and faith. And I'm sure you've experienced those moments when you just knew you were going to win a raffle or get a parking space or you had a hunch that you were going to bump into someone because you just thought about them. All of that is based on this vibration or inner knowing or intuition that we have. And that's what I like to harness at this time of year. And really, it's about knowing and not hoping. It's not about wishful thinking. This acquisition approach to goal setting goes something like, well, if I have more money, uh, I will be able to do more things that I'll enjoy doing and then I'll be happy. Uh, the equation here is have, do, be. Uh, however, the law of attraction works the other way around. If you can be right now the person you would be when you achieve your goal or acquire the object of your desire, then it's that energy that attracts the good things into your life. 
So the equation is B have do. And this is going to be the jumping off point for the seven tips, insights, strategies, I'm not sure what I'll call them, uh, that I want to share with you uh, over the, the, the rest of this episode. So we're going to kick off speaking about emotions, or as I like to phrase this one, follow the emotion. You know, we're, we're not really chasing goals. Uh, we're chasing the feeling we want and the achievement of that goal. So that's going to be our focus here. You know, behind every goal is a request to feel more of a positive emotion, whether that's love, fulfillment, happiness. And if I can tap into that emotion now, because we already know what it feels like. If we didn't, we wouldn't know its absence. Uh, then we are harnessing the power of the law of attraction. So let's not forget that what the heart wants to feel is a more powerful motivator than what the head or the ego wants to achieve. So let's turn the dial from the head to the heart and focus on what emotions would I like to feel more frequently in 2023. And just think about that one for yourself for a moment. You know, is it joy, peace? Peace is always in there for me. Uh, love, excitement, uh, thrill, the thrill of adventure maybe, secure, vibrant, alive, you know, ponder the emotion, the feeling that you're after, the bullseye, as it were, or the destination. Uh, goals are only vehicles to that destination. And if you become aware of the emotion you want to feel more frequently or the combination or the cocktail of emotions, well, you know, what can you do that allows you to connect with them simply and quickly? Uh, for me in this area, and I would have mentioned this before, but this perhaps really highlights it, you know, we'll go into uh, 2023 with our to-do lists and let's even think about, you know, longer term to-do lists, which are things like goals. And that's fine. Um, but let me not lose sight of the emotions. Let me ensure that I also have a to-feel list uh, for 2023, uh, because that's what it is to be human. The quality of our life is dependent on the quality of our emotions. My second strategy for the new year is all wrapped around the word nourish, which is a word I just love <laughs> and nourish. Um, or if we ex expand that out into a question, how will I nourish my mind, body and spirit uh, in the months ahead? How will I fuel myself? You know, we hear so much at this time of the year about dieting and the knee jerk response to overindulgence at Christmas. It's like a pendulum that just swings the other way. Um, now, whilst I enjoy good food and drink, it's, uh, you know, I'm mindful and I'm conscious around what I eat. Um, and I know I don't overindulge. I know when enough is enough um, because too much of anything is not good for us. For me, when I think of nourish, um, I do think of it in terms of mind, body and spirit. You know, for the body, hydration has to be in there for me, um, ensuring that I drink loads of water. You know, and even caffeinated drinks, whilst I do love a cup of coffee, I will usually limit myself to just one a day. And if I'm looking for something warm in the winter months, I'll, I'll have more herbal teas. Uh, we nourish our mind, perhaps by reading uplifting books or blogs or listening to certain podcasts. How do I nourish my spirit? Well, maybe it's with prayer or meditation or walks in nature. Um, you know, of course, so much of the focus around uh, New Year resolutions is about fitness and the media is full of diets and our TV schedules are full of weight loss and makeover programs. Um, for me, one of the areas that has worked in, in, in terms of my own fitness, and it's something that I kicked off at the beginning of the, the summer last year, was just measuring uh, my progress. That old adage of if you're looking to manage anything, you have to be able to measure it. 
And I remember it was the end of April, beginning of May of last year. And I was just getting a bit fed up not being able to fit into some clothes that I had, um, some fitted shirts that just wouldn't button. Even a good jacket of mine was getting a little bit too snug. And I'd been going to the gym, but the diet wasn't great. My diet wasn't great. I was having a few too many treats, let's call it that. Um, so uh, set a target of, of six weeks initially um, to just tidy up my eating a bit and to, uh, to walk more. And uh, did out a spreadsheet because you know, I'm just that sort of person. But it always helps to have some visual representation. And that worked for me. So I was taking a note through the app on my phone of the, the number of steps I was walking a day. And the target was 65,000 over the course of the week, you know, to drink certain volumes of water. And maybe to note when I had a wrap instead of a sandwich or uh, how to say it, a salad instead of something heavier at lunchtime. You know, and even simple things like wearing something bright that shifted the dial on my on my mood. Um, and of course, I could see progress in terms of feeling better. And for me, that was the reason why I was doing this. You know, we're back to that first tip again, you know, feeling more positive emotions. And then it becomes a little bit self-propelling. But, but this was the key difference for me. This is the one I want to emphasize with you today. You know, I put that effort into the gym Um because it wasn't how I hated how I looked or I hated my body. And you think of so many people say that. And what a horrible thing to say, you know, about the divine vessel we've been gifted to engage with and experience the world through. You know, so I go to the gym, I practice yoga, I walk, I nourish my body consciously because I value it. You know, our bodies are our constant allies. So it's important to treat it with respect and love for the miracle that it is. And then it responds to us, it cooperates with us. And I had a reminder of this in the run up to Christmas where I had a bad neck and shoulder pull and trapped muscle. And a lot of that happened because I had sacrificed my morning routine and my gym visits at the at the altar of busyness and stress and, you know, tight shoulders and all of that. And it just reminded me of how important it is, particularly when we reach a certain age, to care for our bodies and in particular spine health. You know, I'm blessed in that I don't really suffer too much with back problems, but I know so many people do. So one of the things that I'm putting more emphasis into in, in 2023 is looking after my spine and my central nervous system, you know, through ensuring that I continue with my yoga practice, but also just being aware of my posture more and even doing simple things like shoulder rolls or, you know, the table position in yoga and making a, a skipping rope type uh, movement with my spine just to keep it um, uh, supple. Um, but I, I'm doing all of this, though, because I, I value myself and I appreciate my body. Um, and I'm not going to the gym or putting in the effort to change my body. I'm doing it as a way to, to, uh, to value and appreciate it. Strategy number three is about getting inspired. Now, I love that feeling of inspiration. You know, when an idea gets hold of you and you feel excited. If I take action on a project or a task or, or an action towards a goal, well, I want it to be inspired action. We've all had those days when we feel like we're just pushing a rock up a hill, whilst on other days, everything we touch just seems to work out. The former might equate to using a spade to chip away at digging a hole. The latter is having the spark of inspiration to call a friend who lets you borrow their digger. 
So inspired action is a byproduct of head, heart and soul alignment and it will feel invigorating. Action that feels like drudgery will usually be counterproductive and exhausting. When it comes to taking action, I don't want to feel like I'm wading through treacle. I want to swim downstream. So really the question to ponder going into the new year is, well, what inspires me and how can I connect with that more purposefully? Because there is a difference between inspiration and motivation. And motivation certainly has its place. But for me, inspiration is always positive. Motivation can be towards something positive or away from something negative. You know, fear can be a motivational factor as well. But for me, I just prefer inspiration. Um, and if we think maybe over Christmas, we've watched certain movies, maybe they're the, the good old, you know, Wizard of Oz or um, Miracle on 43rd Street. Is it 43rd Street, 47th Street? You know, the one I'm talking about, It's a Wonderful Life. We all watch them for a sense of inspiration uh, and they make us feel good. We're back to the feelings again. So if I'm aware of what inspires me, how can I connect with, with those um, inputs uh, more frequently? Because that's a, a space that we enjoy. And it's also a space through which we'll get those little prompts to take action. Strategy number four is about the breath. This follows on naturally from inspiration because if we think of, you know, to breathe is to inspire and we take about 22,000 breaths a day, apparently. How can I make more of them more conscious in 2023 is a useful question to ponder. You know, we all know we breathe shallow and high when we feel nervous and anxious um, and we will sigh or we will yawn to regulate the amount of oxygen in the body. Um, we'll take a deep breath, you know, when we're going to, to tackle a big task or when we're feeling anxious. I would have spoken before about the two-staged in-breath, you know, where we breathe in twice in through our nose and then hold it for a moment and then exhale uh, as a way to maybe change our breathing patterns. Uh, something else I came across recently as well, and this is helpful, particularly if you practice meditation or you're looking to practice more meditation in 2023, is, uh, you know, is to focus when you're breathing in by saying to yourself, this is my in-breath. And when you're breathing out, you're saying, this is my out-breath. So you're, you're consciously aware of what it is you're doing. Um, a variation of that one that I'm practicing myself is that when I'm breathing in, I'm paying attention to what's going on inside me. And of course, you're doing this with your eyes closed. So you're, you're, you're cutting out the external visuals, but you're focusing on the breath coming in through your nostrils or maybe down your throat. You're, you're focusing on the inside of your lungs and how it's expanding your lungs or even down into your stomach. Um, and another tip I got recently on an insight timer meditation I was listening to. Plus, when you're breathing in, imagine, imagining your in-breath is filling up your toes. So right the way down your body. Then as you're exhaling, it's emptying your body from your toes. Um, another variation of that is that, uh, you know, we're breathing in and we're paying attention on the inside. But when we breathe out, then we visualize our surroundings or how we're engaging with the world or what's happening outside of us. So we're building that distinction between our inner world and the outer world, between our inner verse and the universe. Uh, on the inside, I have control. On the outside, I don't. Um, so I can always go back to this inner place as a way to, to ground myself, to connect with source, to find our own inspiration by, by breathing in more purposefully. And, you know, if we think about exercise, you know, and nourishing our bodies, 
Uh, we do that by taking more conscious breaths as well. You know, when the body's in motion, it's breathing more. And another little tip that I got recently too around breathing is that I'm, if I'm paying more attention to my breath um, when I'm breathing, let me take the tongue away from the roof of our mouths. So as you hear me saying that, you may be aware of the tongue on the, connected with the roof of your mouth. Imagine just, or, or just do it, don't imagine it, just drop your tongue from the roof of your mouth and suddenly your mouth feels more relaxed. And now take a few breaths in that position. So uh, uh, be careful if you're driving and listening to me. Um, and maybe if you're out for a walk, it's different. But if you're stationary listening to this, maybe try out a few of those breaths with your eyes closed. You know, breathing in, focusing on what's going on on the inside, filling up from the toes upwards, and then breathing out, emptying that out and noticing the distinction between your inner world and the outer world. Uh, strategy number five for our focus for the year ahead is around expressing our creativity. So creativity for me is an essential ingredient in our levels of fulfillment. Um, and there are so many different ways we can express our creativity. One of the ways I expressed my creativity last year was pulling together the, the series of what nearly 70 essays that, uh, that make up my, my latest book, Words to Inspire. And there was actually a chapter in it on creativity. So as I speak to you here about creativity, I'm just going to read an extract from that chapter because I think those words uh, communicate what I want to communicate on that topic in, in a very succinct way. So this is from, uh, I can't remember what chapter it is, but this is from my, um, my latest book, Words to Inspire. So it's easy to believe that creativity is the reserve of artists, writers and musicians. But creativity is not just found on a canvas within the pages of a book or along the keys of a piano. To be human is to be creative. Exercising our creativity is how we make our unique contribution to humanity. Some things can only come into the world through us. In an uncertain world, creativity is vital for problem solving and the open mind of creativity enables us to cope better with change. Curiosity is the foundation of creativity. It's wondering why and why not. It's seeing life as an adventure of discovery, an inquisitive mind, a hunger for learning, a desire to expand our horizons, thinking laterally and staying alert to new possibilities, all fuel our creativity. Our innate creativity will be shackled by limiting beliefs and assumptions. We fear being judged. We want the perfect result. We need to feel expert or fully ready before embarking on a creative pursuit. We can convince ourselves that we are devoid of creativity because we fail to realise that the uncooked meal or the blank PowerPoint slide, the outfit waiting to be coordinated, is the same as the unwritten novel, the paint on the palette or the sculpture concealed in marble. We can mistakenly believe that creativity demands sacrifice and suffering. But as all children know, creativity is not about expertise or talent. It's play and practice and the fun of exploration. It's not about the result. Creativity is only concerned with the process. By losing ourselves in an activity that stimulates our imagination, be it reading, writing, baking, knitting, designing a process, teasing out a business idea, we're not only exercising our creativity, but we're also reducing our stress levels. Leaning into our creativity is a great confidence builder. Why? Because being creative forces us to encounter so-called failure. In the midst of the trying and the trials and the triumphs, Failure lurks because it's always part of the creative process. When we realise that failure is something we can face and survive, 
we grow and we become braver. We take more chances and our work and our creative pursuits become bolder. Creativity is not what we do, it's who we are. So the next time we sink into creative envy, staring at a painting, listening to a melody or admiring a work of literature and thinking, I wish I could do that. Remember how all works of creativity started as an idea that the artist was brave enough to make grow. Let the creativity of others inspire us to ponder what I can create, what can come to exist in the world through me. So that's a little extract from my new book, Words to Inspire. You can find it more about that on my website. But that last line, I think, is a useful question for us to ponder specifically going into 2023. You know, what can come to exist in the world through me over the next few months? What can come to exist in the world through me in the year ahead? So just two to go. Strategy number six for the new year is about let me resist resistance. Um, really this is built around the question, what can I stop resisting? Often I find that there's a change or something is trying to take place in our lives and we're not a cooperative component with it. We sort of get in our own way, you know, the way we'll say that. So what can I stop resisting? Uh, Where can I stop arguing with reality, as Byron Katie might say? You know, it might be someone else that I'm looking for them to change their behavior or I want them to change their attitude or I want them to do something differently. I want the world outside of me to be different so I can feel better. You know, when I say it as bluntly as that, it does sound a little bit crazy because we don't have control over it. Stress will always arise when we try to control the uncontrollable. And stop resisting isn't about resigning ourselves to a situation It's simply about ceasing to place our precious time, attention and energy where it's wasted. Um, So variations of that question can be, well, what can I stop doing? You know, that old definition of working smarter, identifying what I can stop doing. Um, What's not working despite my best efforts? So I may have tried and tried and tried and tried. I've tried everything. Maybe the only thing I've not tried is actually to stop trying. So what's not working despite my best efforts? What can I park? What can I leave to a higher power to look after? Or where have I compromised too much? Where have I compromised too much? So this strategy about resisting resistance is about doing less. And sometimes by doing less, we can be more. So the final strategy before I share a closing poem and and some some closing reflections uh, is one I've called Less Suffering. Now, I was at a Tony Robbins seminar a few years ago, and I remember he uses the word suffering instead of the word stress. And that really struck me as quite powerful because stress is something that we can almost use as a badge of honour. Oh, I'm so stressed. Uh, But none of us want to suffer. Um, And when we think about it, that's what stress is. It's suffering. So if I'm looking for less stress in 2023, and my goodness, I think we all are, well, the brain cannot process negative. So if it's less stress, what am I looking for more of? Maybe it's more kindness, more peace. If I'm looking for more of those qualities in the world, well, all I can do is bring them into the world through me. Let me rely on the Wayne Dyer refrain of, I can choose peace over this which is always something I can go back to when I remember. Um, I was listening to Martha Beck uh, recently on her podcast, and she said something that really resonated with me. 
which was, I refuse to suffer for imaginary reasons. So there's enough suffering in the world. Let me not add to it through my imagination. And I said, my goodness, wow, that's powerful. I refuse to suffer for imaginary reasons. Now, we're creative individuals. I've spoken about creativity already. Uh, our imagination is what fuels our creativity, but it also fuels our nightmares. I spoke in an episode in the last season of this podcast about paying attention to the, the mind. And if the mind was a house, who are the tenants in our house? So if I'm, if I'm refusing to suffer or I want to stop suffering for imaginary reasons, it's like I'm banishing the, the, the ghosts from, the, from the, the house of the mind. Um, I'm stopping the movies that I'm playing. And all of those imaginary reasons in some shape or format will be based on me thinking that other people are judging me negatively. You know, I remember having a scenario only a few weeks ago where rarely for me, I had an outstanding invoice from an individual coaching client. And most people pay within the week and there's never an issue with it. But this one was dragging on and there was no response to um, uh, different communications. And, uh, you know, my fear was that, gosh, maybe this person wasn't happy uh, with the service I provided, even though I had no indication of that in the, in, the, in the coaching session itself. So my mind was running these movies. And, uh, of course, eventually it was all resolved and there was an issue with the person's bank or something. Um, but it was resolved easily, whereas beforehand I was running these uh, movies, these ghosts in the, the, the house of the mind. Um, and I was causing myself to suffer for imaginary reasons. And I think we'll all do that. But if we can catch ourselves doing it, maybe we can reduce our suffering. And uh, wouldn't that be great to bring into 2023? So before I wrap up this uh, special episode of my podcast, let me recap on some of those themes or strategies for the new year in the form of questions so that maybe you want to note these and will journal on them again. So there were seven different strategies, so seven questions that go with them. First one was all about emotions. So what emotions would I like to feel more frequently in 2023? And how can I connect with them as easily and effortlessly as possible? How can I nourish my mind, body and spirit in 2023? Uh, what inspires me? And how can I connect with that more purposefully in the months ahead? How can I remember to breathe more consciously? What can come to exist in the world through me in 2023? That one's all about exercising our creativity. Uh, what could I choose to stop resisting? And then finally, how can I catch myself when I'm suffering for imaginary reasons? They're powerful questions. And as you know, questions open the door so that we can access our own wisdom. So goal setting, New Year's resolutions, New Year, New You, all of that is well and good. If the feeling it stimulates in us is one of creativity, empowerment, well-being and fulfillment. Uh, but so often it's not. It's just another advertising tool that makes us feel less than, not good enough. And it gets us playing that unwinnable game of comparing ourselves to others. So I'm going to close this week by sharing a poem that I came across recently that I think you'll enjoy. But let me just say that whether you set goals or not, make changes or continue with the status quo, set resolutions, break resolutions, are motivated or not, you know, you're perfectly yourself. 
uh, and you're so valued and probably more loved than you're even aware. And let that be the mindset we bring into 2023. So a poem to close this special episode of my podcast. It's one titled Am I Enough? And it's by Anne-Marie Rowley, or O-W-L-E-Y. So it's a short poem, but I'm going to read it to you and just let the words settle. Am I enough? I would hear myself say, as I pushed and shoved my way through the day. You were doing too much, my friends would exclaim. And when I was so weary, who was I to blame? Always doing, rarely being, looking back, looking forward without really seeing, focusing on the flaws and not on the gifts, screaming when burdens were too heavy to lift. When ploughing through life, yes, things can get tough, but isn't there a time when enough is enough? If I'm healthy and whole and have a roof over my head, plenty of sunshine, friendships and a life genuinely led, doing what I love in work and in play, with peace in my heart, I'm finding my way. No need to struggle, I'm passing life's test and let me remember I'm doing my best. So some lovely, simple words, but I think suitable for this time of the year. So my friends, enjoy who you are. Remember you're magnificent, a unique work of art unlike any other. And let 2023 be the year that you finally acknowledge this and live it. Until next time. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this episode and have a moment, please rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. And maybe you'd like to share it with a friend too. For more information about me, James Sweetman, my coaching services, workshops, books, and for more podcast episodes, be sure to visit jamesweetman.com.